Hello, and welcome to The Common Denominator, where the goal here is to try to create a little bit more breathing room to some of those daily, all the way up to those existential affairs that we deal with in day-to-day life. Some of the most valuable things that we have in our daily lives are our experiences and our perspective. And I just want to share mine and hope that it comes out in a way that sheds a little bit more light on some of these situations. So, <laughs> I, um, I, I don't know. I may, I may feel like I, I am a bit like a blasphemous <laughs> for the, I don't know if blasphemous is the word that I really want to use for this. I personally don't feel it this way because I, uh, I don't know, like I've just gone through a large journey with religion in and of itself, and I have a very estranged a, a view on it, I guess. If uh, and so what's interesting is that I have a, I was, I was raised Jehovah's Witness, and everybody's always like, oh, that's a cult. Um, no, uh, there, there, there were actual cults out there that did worse things, and like this one, if it's like, if you're gonna call this a cult pretty much need to also call Mormonism a cult and also call like Southern Baptist a cult because all those things actually do more occult-like things than what I experienced as a Jehovah's Witness. So like for real, for real, like just chill out on that one. It's just so, it's always just about like people call it a cult. And I realized this on the social surface, people call it a cult because they don't do anything extravagant. Um, like if you don't know where to look, if you don't know where to find a kingdom hall uh, and you don't know where to look, you probably won't find them because they don't have anything extravagant on them. They barely have a sign. They usually have no windows or anything on that because it's not about that. It's just a place to go and gather and worship. They don't make a lot of big deals about being secular and all this other stuff. So like, yes, they're not on the social surface and everybody's like, cool. But then there are actual snake people in the South (laughs) that are Southern Baptists. And like, everybody's just like, that's fine. Okay. Anyways. um, So this is the kind of, and I I am taking it with this tone because like, I, I just, I have so many, I, I, like many, I have a lot of hangups with religion, with organized religion, but it has so actual, believe it or not, for me, especially in Christianity, it has very little to do with the actual doctrine. It's just how it's practiced. Uh, and this is, and this is a part of like the reason why I no longer even a witness even is just because of, I, I, I just believe that the ideas of the Bible can be expanded upon and while still keeping its original continuity and message uh, that's present and also without using it to do terrible things like controlling people's morals and making them, you know, you know, like I, I just, there are so, it's such a beautiful thing to me that is being used in such a terrifying way. Um, And like, because it's a good, it's a really good story. It's a really good, regardless of whether or not you believe uh, in the Bible, or if you, or if you really believe it, regardless of whether you do or whether you don't, uh, like if you approach it from a don't standpoint, the fictional aspect of what happens in that is actually still a very good story to examine. Um, if you are a person who does believe in the Bible then there are so many more morals to be had and to understand about what the Bible was inserted, like the flexibility that was truly inserted and the story of morals that were actually implanted into the Bible that were, that were so much more flexible than what the church and the ortho, like the, like these, these rhetorics, this church rhetoric actually always likes to stand out. Like there's no, to me, it's like, 
it's like ridiculous how you can like read the Bible and still think that like the the church is very clear to do what they do in, in practicing hate because it's like that's not in the Bible and there's no part of that is in the Bible and it's like it's very blatant. So uh, <laughs> and what is but there's also a lot of very blatantly strange things in the Bible. And you can call this one of those conspiracy threads or whatever you have about like uh, something I feel uh, some, but I just I have I, I have my hmm, I have my suspicions I have my reservations I also have my clues uh, uh, about this subject matter so just follow me with this you can you know you can call me whatever you want afterwards but <laughs> but I just but just this is my take on the whole thing and I have so I, I, I've entertained so many honestly and it's fun for me and it's actually very fun for me. It's really fun for me to do this. Okay, so starting out, um, one I have like a my I like to say that I have a pretty interesting take on Genesis, right? Um, I once I want I remember once hearing like a, a, a what was it? It was a quote from like Spy Kids or something like that. <laughs> we were talking about I wonder if God left because he too feared his creations. Um, and, you know, and after, and I've read, and I've, trust me, I've read, I've read a couple of versions of the Bible, in fact, and, like, all of them kind of point to me to, like, a very human story, okay? So, like, one of, entertainment aspect one is that I like to think of, like, what if God was, in fact, a, uh, we'll, we'll take, we'll take it from, like, is is no longer a, I wouldn't even call it, like, a monotheistic or a polytheistic view. It's kind of more polytheistic, I guess. But, like, let's just say that God was a race of creators. Uh-huh. So we have that. And because to me, like, if you are a creator, then, you know, the nature of creation is about an exchange of energy, right? So in the same way that we made technology as a way to, like, create an ease in exchange of energy in a lot of different facets, that God creating humans, you know, was in fact another exchange of energy like a very val a very valuable one in fact you know because like it kind of just seems a little weird to me that i, I don't know I, maybe it's just my human brain being able to unfathom or not being able to fathom like the, the grand purpose of god but it does seem a little too thin to just say that you made humans purely for the purpose of worshiping you that actually sounds a little too human in fact a little too directly tied to like things that does not like if your reverence to a deity means that there is definitely an exchange there that they absolutely need like being believed in and something like that that to me sounds like a direct exchange so let's just say that for the purpose of this something being made easier or something being made even more efficient uh god made people <laughs> uh made the earth and everything on it and all those kind of things a bunch of other creatures and stuff like that uh and then like in the course of all of this um god was like okay so what the intention is is that we want to uh uh it was like we want to get everybody vibrating on that frequency right or something like that i just really want to get like we're not it's like i don't think it was made to i don't like for starters i don't think that we were like made to like purely just for worship you know in the standpoint uh like it was actually something i think it was a little bit more vibrational like like living in harmony kind of as a thing as opposed to like a direct line of worship like 
like imagine if you're living in a perfect world made by God. I don't think you'd go to church because you wouldn't have to at that point. Because <laughs> everybody be doing it. But anyways, uh, so I um so let's just say that there the idea originally was to get everybody vibrating on this higher frequency thing. Um, and in order to do so, it was a very, very, like, going to be a long, intricate process of understanding the expansion of morality from the things around you. Let's just say, you know, that that was the knowledge of the tree of good and bad, you know, of, like, good and evil, whatever. And it was really, like, because that's the way we define morality, by the way, as our knowledge of good and bad. Um, like, we, as our definitive line to understanding what good and evil is even though morality is honestly much more expansive than that. Um, but so let's just say that that's because that's the thing that was actually being forbidden from humans because we needed a little bit more time to understand how it works. But there was another, there was a whole other side of this, you know, because if you believe in God, what do they say in the old exorcism movies that you have to also believe in the devil uh, kind of a thing? But there also is a character in the story that is a by you know that is a Lucifer character. So, and I kind of and, and the way I like to think of it from Genesis standpoint is that um, Lucifer may have been like a per like you you've heard the description of the angels, you know, right? <laughs> you know, like like what they looked like in heaven, seven you know wings of like seven different wings and like eyes and like everywhere and flames and kind of like literally the reason why they have to show up and Jesus is like don't be afraid and he's like what the fuck am I looking at okay but like like I I have a feeling that the form that they had to take of course being from the cosmos is kind of formless in fact like it doesn't need a shape because they live in a different plane you know so when God made humans and God made humans they say God made humans in his image you know and that says that in the bible so imagine, imagine being like all these formless creatures in heaven, kind of a thing, and then like God makes decides to make, in fact, a creation that looks much more like Him than any anything else there, and like there's probably a really good reason for that, but they're not necessarily feeling it because like you're looking at God and then you made something that was a little bit lesser supposedly, give you like all the perks of like looking like God without being God, you know? And it's like, kind of like, it's kind of a jip, you know? It's like, they looked upon man, saw man was beautiful. It was like, what, what is this nonsense? Why do I have to look like some amorphous wings, like seraphist thing, you know, like, why do I have to be this? And they get to look like you, like, that ain't cool. And so I imagine there was an insurrection, like almost instantly. And this guy was just not having it. So, and God was just like, yo, if you want this so much, go get it like flicks them out of heaven you know pretty much and just like cast them down on the planet to look like men and of course they you know had to kind of get into the form of looking like men because you you know you're flying you're flying down from heaven you're all of a sudden your amorphous body is changing into the shape of a giant person uh the seraphim i think that was what they go oh, was that the offspring of them and the angels the humans and angels anyways but yeah so like I'm talking about like you learn probably in the process, in fact, that you can shape shift uh, from being casted out of heaven. So like you get down onto the planet and you're just like, okay, well, since I can't do all of the things that I used to do, let's just kind of mess this one up a little bit. 
you know, because like this, and they straight up were just like, and Lucifer comes in and was straight up just like, yo, no, no, you, you totally can handle morale. No, don't listen to that nonsense. Like you can totally handle morality. Totally. Like you got it. Like you, 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 the first thing that's going to happen is that you're going to wake up and you're going to be exactly like God. It's going to be great. You know? And she's like, for real? He's like, for real? And she's just like, yo, uh, turns out the old buddy was like holding out on something. And like, I don't, you know, it's like, I, I, I don't really know what's going on, you know, but I was in fact told that this was what was going on. <laughs> and I do believe, even though I don't necessarily know what's happening, that there is some form of logic in this. Would you join me since you are the only person here? And I was like, sure. Yeah. Like, I trust you. You know, you're the only other thing here that literally looks like me, you know, and like you were, you know, and, and pretty much just like both eat. And the first thing they say in Genesis was they both looked upon themselves and saw that they were naked and immediately felt like ashamed. And I was just like, oh, crap, <laughs> my morality just kicked in. And now it tells me that the fact that I'm naked out in the open is a terrible thing. So they wouldn't clothe, clothe themselves, you know. And God was just like, oh, my, oh, man. Oh, I was saving God. Like, dog, now you got to, oh, Jesus. Oh, oh, oh man, what am I going to do? I got to, uh, sorry, guys. Like, you cannot be in here. If you do that, you will ruin so many different things. And I need this land to develop through time in order to spread across the planet. So, but if you got morality in here, like at this stage of being, you might start doing things that are just uncalled for. Like I need nature to kind of run unfettered and you're going to start using your morality to prevent that from happening in a large way. So unfortunately, I need to get you guys out into the unfettered world for that to spread in its own accord. Uh, sorry about you. And of course they get out there and they're just like, why? And like, it's like, I can't really explain that, you know? And they're, uh, so they, they grow up living their lives, you know, creating, uh, which is now basically kind of like God's like over here, just like micromanaging some stuff and just being like, like, God, why'd you have to even do this? Like, I'm gonna have to put you in your place. And I still got to manage these people. And like, this is, oh God, I can't believe you even did that. You know? So, but he's like, all right, well, I'm going to watch them though. I'm just going to stand right over here and see if your creation does exactly what you intended it to do. Hmm. Like, and that's what he's sitting there just waiting on the sideline, just like, hmm, okay, let's see what these people got since you, you made them so special, you know? <laughs> and, like, and so the nation of Israel comes about, you know, and like, it's like kind of the only shining beacon that's happening because what the Bible doesn't necessarily talk about that I found out in a lot of different research um, from this was that like the developing times of nation of the nation of Israel was only like, this is only a mapping of what was a recorded world at the time period, but that did not mean or also indicate that there weren't other peoples and nations growing around that. And that becomes further apparent the further you read into the Bible when they start actually talking about their dealings with other nations like Sodom and Gomorrah. So like, there is definitely we're talking about a huge span of time between like where like genesis is uh where genesis like kind of begins and ends and where exodus picks up um as the book of the bible 
So like, and that's not necessarily, if you're reading the Bible, I feel like that's not necessarily put into play or put into scope, but there definitely has to be like hundreds of years between like those two books of the Bible, because it kind of picks up, in fact, into like, you know, where these tribes came from. I mean, by the time you get to the, and also as you're, if once again, if you're kind of versed in the books, like when you get to the book of Numbers, what is the book of Numbers other than the entire account of the nation of Israel? So clearly there was, had to be a bunch of people going on. Uh, for a really long time. Um, not all of these people were actually made from family. So like there are other people that were made into the family at this point. So, you know, families of Methuselah and all that. Uh, anyways, but like we're, we're talking about thousands of years, the nation of Israel forms, and it seems to be the only shining beacon amongst all the humans that are still on the planet because, uh, you know, uh, Satan's gone around kind of, you know, tipped off everybody. <laughs> and like, so, um, we get to these uh, these two massive uh, known entities in the world known as Sodom and Gomorrah. And these are actually, I think, historically, uh, you know, I, I don't know. Any, no, don't even quote me on this one very specifically. But from what I understand, in the point in time in history that this book of the Bible would have taken place, Sodom and Gomorrah would have essentially just been like the two largest cities, human cities of the time. And though I'm not necessarily sure that it was built on the principles of like, uh, you ever seen uh, that Noah movie with Russell Crowe, uh, where they're like trading women for meat kind of a thing. Like I, I'm not necessarily sure if it was on that level of depth. Uh, you know, that's a very, that was a very crazy image to paint. But from what the Bible basically says that there was absolutely no hope for these cities. Like it was so bad. Like I'm pretty sure everything was corrupted probably about the worst human principles you can think of you know morality was definitely being used in the poorest fashion imaginable hindering points of nature kind of like destroying kind of the natural balances of things around them immoral uses of like some of the things some of the gifts that they were granted you i would say and like this is just at a point where it's just getting out it's getting out of hand and god's just like look like, this has just gone on long enough. And, like, I know a few of you down there are still willing to do something about it. Like, still willing to, like, just, like, try to do the right thing. Something like that. Just go down there and tell them that I cannot deal with this anymore. Just tell them. Just go down there and tell them. And uh, so they go down there to no avail. And they're just pretty much just like, yo... Ain't about to, they ain't about to do nothing about this. Like, you just gonna have to go ahead and do something. And so fire and sulfur and the, the salt and the thing, like, it was, like, like I've seen, like, uh, I can't remember, there was, like, a movie back in the, like, the 70s or 60s or something like that that, like, painted this scene of, like, Sodom and Gomorrah, and that stuff tripped me out when I was, like, because, like, because I, I can only imagine, in fact, how, like, just dramatic of a scene that could have been like people turn into salt you know <laughs> figures statures and figures and fire raining down from the sky imagine that was just that was just something you know and like and if you were on the other end of that you're just been like yeah i am definitely continuing to live by whatever word that just caused that and <laughs> um meanwhile though god's over there just being like yo like i don't want to do this again like please don't let me ever have to do this again like i'm pretty sure you guys can get this from this point just keep it going you know 
And then you get to some of my favorite books of the Bible, actually. Some of the most untold books of the Bible uh, that it really, like Ruth, Esther, like the stories of like women that actually took forth leadership and godliness and were actually exalted in the Bible for doing so because they stood their ground against the ungodliness that were seen in men in the, ma- in the patriarchy form. Like it's such a great thing. I don't know why we don't talk about it more. You should definitely go read those books. They're pretty awesome. It's about like some of those, a couple of them are like, I, I, I mean, one of them's a little weird. I, I think one of the stories is a little strange, but the other one was pretty cool. Um, you know, like about like kind of standing up for your godliness. The other one's kind of like more about like sticking by your man, but I really, you know, that one's kind of, I think that one's more of the story. Like there are two contrasting stories, I think. Um, but anyways, it also kind of talks about a whole lot of like idolatry and stuff. Not like, uh, well, not uh, not just idolatry, but like uh, what happens in the boundaries of the sanctum of marriage, you know, and like King Solomon and this whole thing where he wasn't supposed to fall in love with somebody, but he did. And he got, and he was so in love. He wrote a chord that was awesome. Um, and uh, wrote an entire poem about it. In fact, it's pretty crazy. It's actually like the huge uh, chunk of, it's like part of that huge chunk of the Bible um, that it comes before the biggest chunk of the Bible, which is Psalms, uh, which is an entire poem, by the way, it's actually a letter. I think it's a letter and a poem. Actually, I think it's a couple of letters and a couple of poems. It feels that way. Anyways, but it's in the structure of like stuff like that. But it goes into like the development of a belief, which is like the very of like uh, the very human conditions that come from trying to develop morality. Like that part of the Bible, the Old Testament is like jam packed full of stories of like just these regular people that were just like, yo, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stick by, I'm gonna stick by God, and that just go with that. And like, because I think, you know, because I understand that there's definitely like a sense of thing that should be abided by here. And in these are, and I mean, those stories we're talking about when the nation of Israel was like a warring tribe, like they were going around just like developing and every nation around them was like coming at them because they were all polytheistic and were just like, we're going to take over things for the sake of our gods. And they're just like, we're monotheistic, so screw you guys. And you know, like, and it's, it's, and it basically turns into a whole lot of war, and they talk about the stories of where the monotheistic people kind of won, and that was the nation of Israel. Actually, that is even after a point where I was, one of those books of the Bible I was essentially named after, and it's a great story um, about essentially making the sun stand still, and uh, yeah, making the sun stand still so they can win the war. Uh, <laughs> so, like, there's definitely times in the Bible where there, where God was very, very specific about who about changing the course of history (laughs) so um yeah but this was all essentially i still think in the points of trying to make sure that this creation kind of grew in the way that it was supposed to um but yeah uh so but what happens is that i think through time it just kind of still expanded beyond the nature of just a simple nation of people to control you know like it just wasn't the nation of Israel grew into so many different things and so many different houses that in order for this idea of morality to grow properly amongst humans, like you're going to have to establish a different point. It goes kind of, you got to the point where, you know, uh, you needed a flood. And that was the point where you just, you know, you let the world go. You, you, you tried, you had Sodom and Gomorrah and it was, it was a really terrible situation but then the known world got to a point where it was so bad that you you had to wipe away most of it. 
and you really didn't want to do it at all, at all. It was like terrifying to actually to try to see something like that. And so you made a promise to anybody that was left alive, <laughs> or to the last people that were left alive, that you wouldn't do something like that ever again. That really sucks that they're going to have to rebuild from something so, like, dramatic, in fact. Um, and that's a power that you just don't want to ever exercise ever again. You know, like you've tried a couple of times where you literally just came down and, you know, had to just try to, try to get it all back on track. And, yeah, it just felt like a little too much. So here comes the New Testament and the whole uh, nature of this whole thing. So the New Testament is actually, like, really, really cool. Uh, to me, um, and I really wish that they would actually name that. I, I wish that the New Testament was renamed The Adventures of Jesus or The Adventures of Teenage Jesus, uh, which is the part of the New Testament that's missing, in my opinion. Um, and, like, The Adventures of Jesus is, like, such a great, it's a, such a great tale, and it's and literally the whole New Testament is, like, it, that tale being told from about 12 different perspectives. And then the book of Revelations, which just doesn't make sense. I uh, Personally, this is my only conspiracy theory point I think the book of Revelation was put in the wrong place. I actually think it makes more sense to put it in the Old Testament uh, because it makes more sense as a warning uh, to what was happening, what was about to happen to Sodom and Gomorrah, because it sounds a lot like what happened to Sodom and Gomorrah. So I do think that the book of Revelation is in the wrong place because it kind of goes from the story of Jesus to just that. Uh, and when you put it at the end, it kind of does sound like a warning or a thing to come. But when you put it in the middle it kind of makes it sound like a full story because I'm guarantee you there was definitely a much more of a larger message that was going into what was about to happen to Sodom and Gomorrah. I imagine they were very literal about it. So that's my only conspiracy thing. Um, you can dwell on that one however you feel, but I do personally believe that the book of Revelations is in the entirely in the wrong place. And that was how they, that was the, the alteration that specifically made like a sense of control possible amongst the religious of a bunch of different religious sects um uh also like kind of tying in the doctrine of hell like uh, that one uh that one's pretty crazy uh but anyways but yeah so new testament right so the new testament is a beautiful story inside of this because it is god trying again from a very empathetic standpoint right so I'm talking, you did a flood last time, and that was after you had to, like, rain down literally sulfur and fire from the sky. And, you know, so the next time you have to do something, if it isn't careful, it's going to be, like, catastrophic for sure. So why don't you try something a little bit softer as an approach? I made, you made Jesus, right? You send down literally a form of a person, like a person in the form of you, into a person with in, in order to help them find kind of communicate because you can't talk to them directly you know like clearly it's been like a rough path in trying to communicate uh with people directly uh so like you're going to try something that feels like it has a much more personal touch because a human as like you know this this is this is going to be a human being just like them who understands in fact through their path like how to get to this vibrational frequency that we're talking about uh, way back in the beginning, and I mean, it, it's definitely going to be what it's a trip, too, because I'm talking about, like, there's no way, this is the part that trips me out, like, because there's no way to me that you go from, like, Jesus was born to, like, 30 years later, 
without understanding that becoming the son of God must have been a trip. I'm telling you, it must have been like the craziest experience because imagine all of a sudden, like you, you touch, you had a feeling, you touched something and it changed and you were a child. And then all of a sudden you're getting these dreams, their images, and like these depictions of angels that you like that don't look like people at all <laughs> showing up and telling you that you have a destiny. Basically, you have a gift and you have a purpose and you have a destiny and people are just not going to understand what it is. And you barely understand it yourself. So you go around like just trying to figure it out. The Adventures of Teenage Jesus. This is why I need them. Um, and this, it's because like I, I'm talking about imagine being 13 years old and getting into your first conflict because you are human. You know, and you get into your first conflict. And there was a book, and as a matter of fact, there was a missing book of the Bible, I think, that he talked about where basically Jesus, like, killed a kid um, and pretty much did it accidentally, but did it intentionally in a way, where it was, like, um, basically the kid was, like, being a bully, and, like, he didn't mean to, but he did, and, like, it was kind of a huge lesson of, like, yo, you have really great strength. You're not supposed to use it that way. Uh, and, I, and, you know, it, like, I'd imagine this is also one of the main reasons why you have, like, a segment in the whole New Testament where like Satan shows up and was just like, yo, you have great power. Why not use it to be the best human there is? As opposed to sticking to this mission of a vibrational frequency, why don't you just do it to do what all these other people do? Like gain power, lord over other people, like cause death and destruction essentially at your whim. Like you can have all of that. And it's like, I pretty much got it. Like, as a matter of fact, you don't even have to overextend. You don't even have to extend yourself. You don't even have to overextend yourself at all. You're over here out in the desert looking for answers. Out here looking for answers. And let me tell you, I've got all the answers right here. All you got to do is just give up that dumb mission you've got going on. And just, like, just, just check out what I can hook you up with. And Jesus was like, not today, Satan. Not today. And you want to know why not today? Because you know as well as I do that all of this stuff is temporary. Ain't no way I'm about to jump into any of that. You can chill out. You can chill out on that saying, no, I've got a thing. I care about people. I want to see them grow up. I want to see them resonate with each other. I want to see them live in peace. It's more than just a mission. It's actually something I want to accomplish. Lucifer's like, all right, well... All right, see if you uh, see how well that goes. You know, pretty sure, uh, pretty sure all these governments are gonna have something to say about your peace and understanding. You know, poof, vanish. Jesus comes back from the desert, and there are all the apostles like, "We missed you so much," and he's just like, "I have the answers, though." You know, and like, cause I, they, the the stories that are they're told about in Jesus to me sound like a person that is not that wasn't just like. He wasn't he wasn't somebody that you would have like picked out, you know, but then all of a sudden you spoke to him and there was a way that he spoke back and looked back at you that made you feel something greater, maybe that made you feel like a very just like a sliver of like, wow, this person is very, very different from everything that's around. It's very calming, it's very soothing. Like, this person talks about being, like, literally just banding people together and feeding everybody. And all these ideas of, like, you know, well, and from a, a political standpoint, it's kind of more like, 
once again, monotheism versus polytheism kind of a thing. And here's a guy who's like promoting an idea of monotheism that is very much so not cool with the government at the time period, because uh, it's pretty much how they've had a foothold in a lot of different things. Um, so, and we're talking about Romans here, like, good Lord, like they're pretty much the closest thing to America you could possibly ever have back then. And so like, you're like, so we're, of course, they're sitting there just like, this guy is a radicalist, you know, <laughs> like going around, like creating all these disruptions. People aren't paying taxes and he's going around take, take disrupting our tax collection. Um, you know, and there's like, so they're painting him as a menace. You know, and the mean, meanwhile, people are going up to him and just realizing that just simply isn't true. You know, there's definitely something going on with this person, you know, and like that's like and it, like what I love about the idea of Jesus being very human uh, is because of the Bible paints it that way. And I don't feel like pastors just don't uh, like they always just kind of created like like I don't know what I, I don't know why this feels like an accurate statement to say, but Jesus wouldn't be a pastor, not the way a pastor is. Uh, because I don't really think that he would care about them. He, he would probably more than likely be how he was during that time period. Was like everybody sat outside. Everybody sat outside in nature as he spoke and everything. He didn't force everybody to go into a church. He didn't make sure that everybody was standing there for a sermon. He sometimes gave them in there, but didn't require it. Oftentimes actually took people out of those scenarios more, more than likely because they represented, in fact, the established, the other establishments that were there. And it was trying to establish itself. So like, you know, once again, I don't think Jesus would have been a traditional pastor, in fact. But there, you know, here he goes. Like, I love my, my favorite story about him, though, is uh, when he was on the road and uh, all of a sudden he was hungry and he saw a fig tree and he, like, and then he, like, walked up to it and, like, there were no figs on it and he was just, like, pew, wig, fig tree. And then, like, it withered and died. And then Jesus got hangry. And so he walked up into the city and then he saw the scribes and Pharisees collecting taxes and making exchanges within the house of God. And he literally went outside and took some branches and some sticks and made himself a whip and came in and just started kicking everybody's behind out of that place. How dare you even call yourself in the house of God? Like, you know, like I'm talking about like straight up just like Southern like. So, you know, like you ever had every syllable, every every syllable, and a and a, and a butt whooping that coming through, and you know, just how many times I tell you not to go how so God selling these taxes? This is wrong, you know, like and I'm, and everybody's outside, just like and, and all the apostles are just outside, just like oh, like y'all, Jesus is having a moment, like y'all gonna just just everybody stay outside, stay calm. He's having it's a thing he does. <laughs> he just gets upset sometimes but he sees a lot of injustice like just bear with us you know comes outside is kicking the pharisees out don't you ever and i mean never <laughs> all right all right <laughs> you know shaking the hair out all right all right all right yeah i, I think I'm, i think i'm good now i think i'm good sits down eat has some water some fish you know just chill out you know, and then everybody's just like, yo, I saw that, though. That was pretty dope. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, I just, I just know that, like, Jesus was definitely not a person who would have judged anybody. Not for real. He would have gone around just knowing, imagine knowing, being a human being, that knowing that you have the power to help people. There'd be no reason to judge anybody. There'd be no reason for that. You wouldn't have to look at somebody and be like, well, you're there because of your choices. No. That man looked at somebody on the ground and said, get up, come eat, come sit. 
that was that was the kind of person he was. I almost guarantee it. Like that's what made a difference about that, especially in a world of like where like Romans were selfish people. This is where like the beginnings of like to me like where capitalism was like in its devalued state, I should say, uh, was really birthed. You know where it was all about the accumulation of wealth and the dis like the and that and of course that economy was still built very heavily on slavery. So like we're talking about very much so distrust and a lot of depravity, a lot of scamming. Like we're 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 in a world where like it is much more profitable to be selfish than it ever would be to be kind. You know you don't have the resources to be kind. You know, and that whereas where the a man like Jesus would have really stuck out, you know, a person who didn't have who didn't seemingly have any wealth, but was always capable of giving and never seemed to turn anybody away, even if it was even even though he had, you know, temporary displays of rage and stuff like that. But still, in fact, there would never be any any other person that you would ever meet with such a kind demeanor, you know, and they painted this man as a radicalist. And they put him to death, you know, like, and like, after that, that to me is like, if you were God, and you actually created something that personal, and you sit it down to the planet, and you've got a chance to watch it grow up, watch him grow up, and really, really make something of it. And I mean, to the point where it was like changing the course of history in a way that you never could because you couldn't reach them in that way there's physically no way for you to do so but yet he could and then you watched them put him to death oh i imagine there were some feelings behind that because it's like i gave you guys everything everything including something way more precious to me than I probably ever even intended. And so here we are. And then, so after this point, this is where you get to a little bit more conspiracy with me. Uh-huh, maybe. And I only call it conspiracy just because, you know, there's so much, like, shrouded around, like, what happens next um, that it doesn't necessarily, like, there's the conclusions as to what you could find um, are basically kind of held into like I don't know I don't, I don't know how to put it it's like whatever conclusion that you find here is very much so separate from it's not necessarily separated from the story but what developed if there's anything else after this that develops next I do believe that it would in an antithesis fashion um, but because like uh, even to me like after you've gotten the death of Jesus you had 12 apostles problem is, is the story doesn't really go on too terribly far after that about what happens to these people you know about the man who betrayed him um about the items that he was about the items that that man was killed on about what happened to those people and the fame that they all incurred for being for their closeness we're still talking about a very human society and a very capitalist society so somebody like judas iscariot you know more than likely profited so hard from that to the point where you can actually create and shape your own history. And that to me comes to like, what happens next? 
because we heard the whole thing about Jesus supposedly gets resurrected three days later, uh, which is interesting to me because like you hear like this is the version, uh, the version of this story is actually very different depending on which version of the Bible you're reading. Um, it's true. It really is. It does you know, because some uh, some versions will say that Jesus rose arose and like people recognized him because of the holes in his hand. Uh, and there's some doctrines that actually say that uh, that he, they didn't recognize him because they, he was in a completely different body. Um, I'm kind of more built on the latter because, like, it kind of seems like a huge renege to, like, sacrifice your son for everybody's sins and stuff like that and just be like, yank, nope, I actually did Nothing actually was sacrificed at all, body or anything. You know, um, so like, I, uh, I, I do feel that, like, to be a little bit strange. Uh, in nature, I also find that the nature of resurrection and using the term resurrection and not revived uh, actually is a very specific is a very specific term. Uh, being revived also requires that there was like the wounds were healed, kind of a thing. Being resurrected um, could either imply that there was like you know, uh, like if there was the same body, then that was probably why they had a bunch of fear. Uh, because they, you know, uh, there are no occurrences of zombies, and I probably would have thought of them being a zombie at that point in time, just to be personally honest. Uh, it also would be exceedingly jarring for a person to see someone die and then also not be dead, um, especially. And if there were still holes in his hand, I also imagine his guts were still out, because he did get stabbed by a spear. So, uh, I do find that, I just don't like that image in almost any capacity. You know, like Jesus is kind of walking out and just like, do not be afraid. And he's like literally half zombie uh, or apparently just like really nice and clean cut, but also still somewhat zombified uh, with. Uh, yeah, like I, I am willing to believe or I'm willing to bet that there was some slight alterations coming back because they let Jesus body lie where it lit, where it was, you know, kind of a thing. Uh, or, um, hmm, well, well I, let's see, there was that part where they talked about how they, like, uh, kind of expected, um, hey, well, yeah, no, wait, 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 wasn't this the thing, they, like, hit his body or something like that, and then, like, came back expecting it to be all rotted, and then it wasn't, uh, <laughs> kind of a thing, so, okay, so, essentially, as the story ends, is that, like, Jesus ascended back to heaven, and the world was essentially left to its devices ever since then. Um, but what happens after that is a very crucial story also to tell, uh, simply because you don't, wait, what happens to the apostles? What happens to the fame that they occurred? What happened to all of the coveted items that now have be, that would become coveted through time? Like the spear that stabbed Jesus and the cross that he died on or whatever, or the stake that he died on just depends on your point of view on that one. Um, but like, uh, like the all of these other all of these other human affairs that are essentially left out of the doctrine, because like the doctrine just kind of assumes that like I don't know like the rest of the course was holy, but as we learned later on through history that even the doctrine itself caused wars and conflict. The Eastern the East Orthodox and the Western Orthodox that dominated Europe for several hundred years kind of a thing two different popes both calling each other the antichrist and all under the same doctrine uh all these things don't erupt out of a vacuum in my opinion um a lot of them come from validity of secrets that they feel like they're keeping and so i imagine that at some shape and form or some point in time that like these 
secrets, these coveted items, these fames that were occurred, all begin to leak out and create this level of corruption that was uncontrollable, you know, to the point where we have, in fact, like different versions of the Bible and these and different doctrines and different orthodoxes of church that were essentially used as far as as changing political tides through time like all of these to me sound like very human machinations that were that took advantage of a very particular point um the you know and you can say that the rest of it is actually what led us to where we got here um but yeah i uh really like uh the reason why i like to, I, I like to entertain the bible in this fashion uh simply because i always believed in things being alive uh for me and my personal gripe with religion oftentimes especially even with being a witness is that somehow they still treated it as though like we were never meant to know anything about it ever no matter how hard we studied and how much time we spent uh divulging into the holy text and diving ourselves into the lifestyle and trying to be as holy as we can possibly be that there was no way that we could possibly ever become intimate like with the knowledge of what uh of the of the bible and ever become intimate with god and if we ever, and intimacy is somehow portrayed as a form of just being like, yo, I can never know you, but I'm glad you're here. And like, I get that, but it also feels a little strange. Um, I do think that there is that part of that vibration, part of the whole purpose to begin with is that God wanted us to know what was going on. Wanted to understand that vibrational frequency and to like kind of just be on that level but like i don't know that's where the doctrine kind of kills me because the doctrine is basically kind of like you don't know anything until you essentially die and go to heaven and that's the only way you're going to know you did it right um and like, that's the only way you're going to know ever if everything that you ever worshipped in fact on the ground was white is when you die um and i just i just find that strange it's like you have to spend your entire life just in a question of not knowing the person you're worshiping or anything like that and that's just uh, I, I don't know. It just it has a bad taste in my mouth. It also kind of paints God in an image to me that is like very easy, easily capable of punishing everybody, and like you know saying that like if you don't live well, if he's got, he's going to judge every point that you have, and if you don't live well, you're going directly to hell. And like I find that to be also a little bit too personally vindictive. I don't think that God works like a personal army type deal. <laughs> and like you know like looking into someone's life and being like mm -hmm, nope don't like that they're going to hell and they're dying and then like that's all there is you know like clearly there has to be a process here and if there's a process there's a mod modality of change and like you know if it's gonna if it's gonna be able to change mold throughout the process i don't think that there's somebody keeping score of that because then it's also because then it takes on the principle of it being an equation you know, that if you do so many good deeds and so many bad deeds, you can still do some bad deeds and make it to heaven, you know, based on this equation. And I feel like that's the way most common Christians actually take that. Like, I could do a few bad things, but if I do enough good things, I'll still go to heaven. And I, don't, I, don't, I really just don't think it's like that. Um, even if you still believe in a heaven doctrine, I still be, believe it's based on your personal alignment with your morality. Like, if you live in within your moral basis... You know, like if you see the world around you and you flow with the world around you and you cause no harm, you know, cause no harm to the things around you, I still believe you're actually moving in that form. You know, like the the nature of the Bible always constantly makes it seem like, you know, because we are not, because we didn't do the thing, because Adam and Eve didn't do the thing, actually, 
uh, we were all sinful and like that's the way God looks at us is just awful and sinful and that we have to do everything in our power in order to like bring ourselves back into the light of God and I just don't think that that's even the way that I like a creator would look at that you know like a creator's just kind of like yeah I kind of missed the mark but you know as far as like getting this whole thing to work out like perfectly but there are other factors that are involved other than me you know and like creation kind of works on a very grand basis so like it's not necessarily it's like i know that some people will get it and i know that someday hopefully they'll vibrate on that right frequency i'll come back and check see if it's working if it's not it's whatever we'll just give it time you know but i feel like there's enough there and enough of a basis that like somebody somewhere is going to get it you know and like i you know i just i don't know i i, I just i have a lot of i just all of this whole thing erupts from the fact that i just have a lot of trouble with the way that Orthodox Christianity seems to want to paint its characters. And I do believe that taking a more humanistic view on a story that is actually quite human um, is hope opens up the whole thing. Cause by no means do I think that anything that I just said is actually true. Like, I don't, I don't believe that's what happened in the Bible. I don't even know. I have absolutely no idea, but I like to entertain that thought because it does make me feel like I'm a bit closer to it. So that's, that's the whole goal. So hopefully any of this would hopefully try to open the doors to try to ex ex breathe out and expand some of those views of like what is in fact a very rigorous, do rigorous doctrine that is toxic to itself in a way that it does not understand. Like, yo, like the sci science and science in the Bible can be real, real tight if they, if they really wanted it to be, but somehow they don't let it. And neither in like, and people don't understand that they don't do that they do the same thing with science that people do with the Bible sometimes if they're not careful um, by strictly believing in one thing that in fact is very open ended versus another thing that is also very open ended, you know, because the Bible is not a finite thing. It has very clear holes and gaps and theories and things and such, um, which allow one to dive into, in fact, its validity. It's the same thing with science. It is an observation. It is not is not there to, in fact, like it writes laws and rewrites laws. So like it is, and it reads why its laws based on observation. So like if you observe something different that is outside of the laws that are there, eventually you have to put it back into question. And so like science doesn't, in and of itself, does not act like a finite like set of laws, like a finite institution like that. And like of course there's a lot of bends in academia and stuff like that that kind of like create a really poor perception on science and stuff like that. And to me like with with science as far as like abiding by it as an absolute authority. But even science in and of itself has included the nature of it not being an authority. It is an observation. And so if you're not careful, you end up doing this thing where you like say that you basically claim that science is the only answer, but like, like people say the Bible is the only answer. And actually, I think that both of these things are very, very cool with each other uh, when you let them be, um, especially because like, I don't know, like, uh, for example, I remember one time I was sat in a church and like, uh, hearing a pastor say something like, uh, whenever you sit see instead of uh, uh, whenever you see a beautiful sunset, you can you can thank God for making that sunset, for like being a beautiful sunset. And it's like, well, as like what a sunset is basically the earth rotating around uh, away from the sun, whenever we see that. And that's also cool too. And like, I don't know exactly where these two things don't meet. Cause it was like, cause it, like when I said that, it was like, that's the earth rotating away from the sun. And they're just like, well, but God set it up that way. And it's like, but yeah, isn't that awesome? And it's like, if it doesn't necessarily have to be like, it, it's like, 
if you ever use science as an explanation for for like worldly events for like these beautiful events in nature it was like no god did that and it's like but didn't isn't cool god cool enough to make science come on now like if god's that, that creative enough to make not only just us but to make us in the way that we are and to make such a variety of things on the planet that work in such a crazy harmony with each other we can use science to observe that <laughs> like you could use science to observe all the crazy all the beautiful things you love about the bible like i do not understand why those two cannot mix i do not understand where the limits of this cape this capacity lie where it's like just because it is being just because the bible is being used as in fact a terrible doctrine doesn't mean that there may be some element of historical value inside of that and it still carries some kind of moral thing even though it's being used very poorly um, but it's the same thing with science, um, and it's kind of branching off into that. Um, but yeah, just I do believe that it is, it is a very beautiful thing to blend um, our natures of history, science, and the Bible. If you still want to con consider the Bible as a heavy part of your life, then it is good to blend all other aspects of life, asset, assets of life into your exploration of the Bible, because it does open the Bible up in a way that makes it very knowable. If that's your journey, then please take it that fast. Uh, like, 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 believe me, you are doing yourself a favor by taking it in this fashion. If you don't believe in the Bible, don't worry about it. It's a weird story. That's a cool story. Uh, you know, if you want to educate yourself, it's a cool story about morals. You don't like the Bible, you don't have to, you know, you don't have to read it, you don't want to. I don't think it's absolutely a necessary required reading for anybody to actually develop a moral basis. So, yeah, if you haven't read it, it's cool. I mean, more than likely, you've kind of discovered a lot of those stories in other fashions, you know? So, like, it is what it is. But all of this to say that expand your ideas of some of these concrete... Hi, if you liked what you heard uh, and, and want to actually just like tell me what you think or just want to be a part of the podcast in and of itself, I'm going to leave a voice messaging link like in the description. Um, also, go ahead and feel free to leave some of your support right here. I'm working on a housing project that we have. So any of the support that we actually get on that project is going to be uh, also very thoroughly appreciated. That link is also going to be in the description. And so I hope that all of you gained, I hope that all of this was able to help you shed a little bit more of a perspective on these matters. And that I hope that you're able to build a better bridge to like yourself as well as the world around you.